It's, uh, I always want to take the time to thank those who serve so faithfully, all of our praise team and Matt and putting together the songs and leading, and those who play instruments and take the time to especially thank Timmy and Elena and Haddon this morning for such a great job. He is faithful. He is faithful. And in his faithfulness, sometimes things come up that surprises us. And we, in trying to be willing, God loads our wagon. And I hope y'all are eating your vitamins, trying to stay healthy, a lot of sickness. And really pray for Joey and Brooke. Ledger's got strep with a side order of type A flu. And so they're at home this morning, but he'll be here probably about 2 o'clock to start getting some things ready for our 4 o'clock meeting. We're anticipating somewhere between 400 and 450 volunteers. It's volunteers. Uh, Joey and I had lunch this week, and uh, I was eating lunch with uh, one of our deacons and his wife one day. And everywhere I went, someone was like, oh, Man, I'm so glad we run into you. We want to sign up. We want to be there. What time is it we've got to be there Sunday? I've talked to all the firefighters. and I've talked to all this one. And I've talked to this one. And, and we're bringing a group. And we're doing this. And people are excited. And God is going to do a great work here this week. Um, if you're still undecided, if you still feel like you're too whatever, be here. This is for us. This is for us to serve and to be served. And I can assure you, you'll walk away whatever time you walk away, Friday night, or if you're on cleanup team Saturday, you'll walk away having been blessed more than you thought you could bless someone else. I can just tell you that. Uh, Not to Shine is about putting a spotlight on people with special needs that they are kings and queens for the night. And we want everyone who can to be involved in that. Uh, And uh, me and Jerry, we're putting together our dance list because we're in charge of the dance floor. Now, you know, how many times have you ever seen a Baptist preacher in charge of the dance floor? Well, I'm that kind of preacher. And uh, we're going to have a great time in the Lord shining shoes, doing makeup, food. I I looked and I began to go through the list of of teams and I'm like, this is like a a dissertation, just the teams of all that it's done. And uh, only heaven will reveal the rewards that Joey and some of you will receive for what they've done. But can I say, this is just the first year. This is just the first year. And it's just one area of ministry that we can reach our community throughout the year. Just one. What about men's ministry? What about women's ministry? Callie and I have been working together as we are laying the groundwork for our special needs ministry. That will not just happen on Night to Shine, but will be ongoing week after week. And so you'll be hearing announcements about that this coming week. And especially Friday night as we work out some details on our, and it'll probably be a little rough around the edges to start with, but God knows our heart and we've heard Haddon sing it. 
We have sung that when the Holy Spirit's allowed to have his rule and reign in our lives and he is Lord and, and the Spirit flows over us, he is faithful. He is faithful. And so this week, if you get tired, if you get overwhelmed, I want you to understand, he is faithful. Lay your burden down and trust in Jesus. I want you to turn with me back to Mark chapter 10. And as I have said in the past, this is kind of the dividing chapter. This is kind of the continental divide in Jesus' ministry while he was here on this earth. And we see the theme verse found in verse 45. Didn't Andrew seem awful mature in his announcements this morning? I mean, it just seemed very mature and grown up and kind of 30-year-old-ish. You know, the, we celebrated his birthday last night and we're 30. He, I mean, yeah, it's downhill. I mean, it's just like a plane just nosediving in. But we had a great time. We're thankful for him and what he's doing with our student ministry. And, and, and let me go ahead and say, we're going to close this morning uh, when we have the invitation. Now, I'm not giving the closing. Some of you got excited. Not, no. Uh, we're going to close in prayer for a night to shine. And we're going to invite everyone who will come to the altar and join together around this family altar and pray that, that God reigns supreme. All, hear me now, all spotlights on him this week. All spotlight is on him. Um, but also I want you to pray for Andrew and I because uh, as hyped up as we are for night to shine, he and I will be leaving uh, roughly this time next week, uh, headed up to Atlanta and then flying out Monday morning for Guatemala. And uh, we'll be there Monday through Friday, 11th through the 15th, as we are going with a, a group uh, that does mission all over Guatemala. And uh, we've been asked to come. I was asked, and they said, bring one of your leaders. And uh, Andrew was excited about that. And if you don't believe God's in it, his passport, uh, his passport had expired. And uh, he re-ish or, or whatever, reapplied, did whatever, and had it back in two weeks through the federal government during a shutdown. Don't tell me God's not in us going. But what our heart is, is we're going to go meet with the uh, national pastors there, with the missionaries on the field, as well as the national pastors already born again, God-called ministers of the gospel that are looking for places to plant churches and stuff. And we're praying about partnering in planting a church in Guatemala and if all these things happen, then we'll be taking several teams down there throughout the year. We may you know, take uh, high school and college students and, and those who are uh, related to sports ministries and do sports camps and backyard Bible clubs. And I envision we have so many who are trained medically to go and do medical uh, on the field there. 
And so we're looking for great things. So I ask you to pray for Andrew and I and the others who will be traveling to Guatemala on February the 11th. A lot of people have already said, I want to go, I want to go. Uh, well, let us get back first, figure out some stuff, and then we'll be planning pretty soon. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And as powerful as this scripture is, we do not want to uh, diminish it or not do it justice, but we'll try to hurry as we've got an action-packed afternoon as we prepare for night to shine. As we look in this, we see verses 46 through 52. We see Jesus was on his way to the cross. This would be the last time he would go through Jericho. Sermons had been preached. Miracles had been performed. His Galilean ministry was concluded. He now headed to Jerusalem. His eyes were now fixed on Calvary. Yet in his final approach to Jerusalem, he had time for a blind beggar called Barnabas. Yesterday was a great example of this sermon in the right way. As I pulled up, there were men scurrying all over. There were women inside and people were serving from serving in basketball to putting out pine straw to beautifying all week, trimming hedges, cleaning, doing all kinds of things as we prepare for this great great area of ministry this week. I want to read into your memory uh, a quote, an anonymous quote that I read this week, and I want it to sink down into our heart. If serving is below you, leading is beyond you. If serving is below you and you've already done your time, I'm a senior adult and it's time for somebody to serve me. If serving is below you, then leading is beyond you. Jesus led by example, did he not? He tells us once again in verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto or to be served, but to serve and to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Today, we see that a servant in need is a servant indeed. Michelle goes around all the time, and it has stuck in my, my memory that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And there's no way to display how much you care for someone like serving. Serving them. Who's the most loving, compassionate people in the world? Mamas. And what does mamas do? Serve. They serve in every kind of way you can imagine. Listen today as we look through this scripture. He said, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, and by the way, in Matthew, there's actually two beggars, two blind men here, but Mark, 16 chapters, Matthew 28, Mark is much more concise, it was not a different situation. It does not contrast. 
It's just Mark's perspective and what the Spirit led him to speak about. He said, blind Bartimaeus sat by the highway side begging. You ever seen beggars on the side of the road? There's one, every time I go to Savannah, he's in a different place. And his cardboard sign says, U.S. Air Force veteran, give me money. And, you know, I don't know the intent of his heart. I don't know, but he's begging. I've seen others who are crippled. If you go to Jamaica, their biggest scourge, believe it or not, there's a lot of drugs in Jamaica, but the biggest scourge on the population is sugar. And they eat so much sugar that diabetes is the number one leading cause of death and health problems on the island of Jamaica. You cannot go to a restaurant, you cannot go to a grocery outlet or anywhere else without seeing people who have had legs and arms and other uh, uh, things amputated begging. They're blind, they have other issues, beggars all over the place who are desperately in need. And so he sat there begging. In verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, just a quick side note. He said, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. We've already read a context where they said, can, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They said, is he not Joseph's boy? You know, and Mary's his mother, and isn't James and Jude his brothers, and really, Nazareth? But yet a blind beggar referred to him as Jesus of Nazareth. Listen, don't get upset when the world does not accept Jesus as quick as we want them to. Listen, everyone does not see Jesus the same way. But there's only one way to truly see him, and we're going to see that. In scripture today. He said have mercy on me. And many charged him. That he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David. Have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man. Saying unto him. Be of good comfort. Rise. He calls you. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. The Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. And too often because we will we'll just do something. We pray amiss. When he has taught us to ask and to seek and to knock. To seek God's will and God will open up his power upon us in his will and in his time. He said, restore my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Amen. Aren't you glad when you see someone healed? When you see God do a great work in a life? Well, first of all, I want you to notice the call of Jesus this morning. The call of Jesus. I can't help but think back to 
Luke 4, verse 18, when Jesus quoted Isaiah, writing down what Jesus told him to say. Because Jesus is the Word, and so whatever you read in the Old Testament is Jesus, just as much as the New Testament. But he quotes Isaiah 55 in Luke 4, verse 18. Listen, this is, this is so powerful. This will change your life right here. He said, the Spirit, this is Jesus. He said, the Spirit of the Lord. What did we just sing? You're welcome here. All right, this is what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the who. And what was blind Bartimaeus doing? He was begging. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Oh, and he cried the more. To preach deliverance to the captives. And get this. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty that them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you to understand this call of Jesus. It tells us very clearly that when he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, when he cried out, to him, Rabboni, when he cried out, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. I want you to understand and I want you to grasp the truth today that Jesus' call is to those in need. Those who see they have no need, those who think Jesus is some kind of superstition or crutch or just someone they can use when they decide it's their time, Jesus is not like that. He'll either be Lord of all or he won't be Lord at all. Jesus calls those in need. You ever called on Jesus when you were in need? And he was there. What is Jesus doing right now for those of us who are saved? Is he just sitting around playing spoons? I mean, is he, you know, him and God and the Holy Spirit, and they're just sitting up, you know, and they're just talking about fishing. What, are, what, what is Jesus doing right now? He is taking our prayers to the Father. Everything that comes before God Almighty goes through God the Son. It cannot happen any other way. It must be. Jesus said, there is no other way unto the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. We, you don't need to go through me. Matter of fact, don't come to me. People used to come to me all the time. Preacher, I'm just going to be honest with you. I ain't going back to church. I'm not going to church. I'm doing this. Listen, don't be honest with me. Don't tell me. There is nothing I can do about it, and it'll make me think less of, less of you. I'm not your priest. Read Hebrews. Jesus is your high priest. Take your problems. Take your cares. Take your sin to the one who can do something about it. He, called, he, he issued a call to that one that is in need. And I want you to understand today, those needs that you think nobody else knows about, he knows and he cares. He has issued the call to those in need. He has issued a call to the heartbroken. But look, when he calls those in need, it says in verse 46 that Bartimaeus was blind and begging. He was not gainfully employed. He, I mean, you know, he couldn't do what 
people that had eyes could do. Now, they, people uh, with special needs can do a lot of things you and I can't. My sister-in-law can play the piano like nobody's business. Unbelievable. Cook. Man, she can do some of that stuff. But she can't put a roof on a house. I don't know that she ought to be on a roof. She's blind. One time we had a fall festival and we had four-wheelers at the church. And it's a big old field. And Art said, I'm going to let her drive. I said, you got insurance? That's my four-wheeler. And she got on there and he, I said, and you're going to ride with her? And he said, I, I said, in life and death. I said, well, roll on, brother. You can preach two at the same time as easy as you can preach one. And he let her drive that four-wheeler all around. She'd hit the brake just in the middle of everywhere. And then she'd hit it. it but she had the biggest time. But you know what? She can't drive a car. She just, you can't, there's some things you can't do. This man was blind. And because of this, he was begging. You need to understand, his call is to those in need physically. Physically. We get that. I'm not going to spend much time on it because if you look at our prayer list, if you come to a Wednesday night prayer meeting, so many times, what are the things we pray for? It's the obvious. They've got cancer. They've got high blood pressure. Their child's sick. We've got the flu. Got strep. They've got diabetes. He's got high blood pressure. Uh, they're having problems with their eyes. They're, they're having problems with their feet. It's physical issues. And like the old preacher said one time, that it's... More, uh, rather than prayer meeting, it sounds more like an organ recital. Praying for the heart and the lungs and the liver and those kind of organs. But the Bible tells us he's the great physician. Now, how many times does he heal a man who couldn't walk? How many times does he heal lepers? That's a physical need, right? So he cares about those things. Now, it should not be the only thing we ever come before the throne with, but we also need to understand that God Almighty cares about those who are in need physically. He was blind. You know what else is physical needs? Food. People need to eat. I want to tell you, church, we need to care for those who are in need. Now, everyone who says they're in need is not in need. And it is probably the hardest thing in ministry to do is to pray and be a good steward with what comes in the church. Because we don't make money. We, we, we come together as a body and we tithe. Or at least we should tithe. And we take those tithes and it's split up through ministry and other things. And one of the ministries that we use that for is benevolent issues. People who come and say, we've got this need. Or a church member says, hey, so-and-so has a financial need. And our church does a great job with this. But it's so hard to try to decipher sometimes, well, we've got to pray. Who is really in need and who's just skimming? Jesus knows and Jesus cares. It's a call to those in need, but also to the heartbroken. It says... In verse 47, and when he heard that Jesus of Na- it was Jesus of Nazareth, what did he do? He began to cry out. It's our emotional needs. Some of us are physically strong, but emotionally we're a wreck. 
man, we get our feelings hurt, we got this, we got that. You know, like we talked about last week, we've been through a divorce, we feel rejected, we feel like our parents don't get us, we feel like uh, uh, our teachers disrespect us, we feel like everything in the world, and emotionally, you can't, it's like we cry all the time, or you're yelling all the time, emotional needs, this guy was crying out, and Jesus came because he cared. He cares about our emotional needs. Now, he doesn't come alongside of us so we feel empowered to keep doing it. But God will heal us in the midst of those things. The call was very comforting. I love this. Man, if you miss anything else, get this. Get this, verse 49. In the latter part of verse 49. And they called the blind man and said unto him, Cheer up. Be of good comfort. Get up. He calls you. Can I tell you today on behalf of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, cheer up. He cares about you. He's calling you today. You know what? When preachers uh, and Sunday school and the Bible speaks to our sin and reveals our failure to match up, it is the greatest display of love to show someone you cannot make glory apart from the one who gave his life for you. No greater love hath man than this. And it's one thing for police officers and another one fell this weekend. And it's one thing for our military. But Jesus, listen, Jesus lived without sin and willingly died to set men free. It's a comforting call. Jesus is calling you today because, listen, he said, be of good comfort. This is our personal needs. These are the needs no one else knows about. These are the ones that maybe even your spouse don't know. It's the little things. You, you know the five love languages? My daughter, we was talking a few months ago, and we were, I don't know, on FaceTime or one of them things. She said, what's y'all's love language? I said, I love you. I know I, I was messing with. Well, you, you know, this, I, we did that 28 years ago. And sometimes our love language doesn't sound real loving. We're very Irish around our he, house and very Scottish. It, uh, it, it can uh, be a little vocal, but there's nothing as comforting there's nothing as comforting, hear me now, as when she tells me or I tell her, I love you, and God's got this, whatever that need is. Because there's personal needs that don't fit in the emotional slot, it doesn't fit in the physical slot, it's just one of those needs that pops up out of nowhere, and we feel overwhelmed. It's a comforting call that God gives us a spouse to, to uh, use his words to comfort us. He has given us parents and he's given us children. And, and sometimes it's my children that brings comfort to us. And, and, and sometimes I'm going to tell you, I don't have words to thank y'all as your pastor for the words of comfort 
you bring to me and my family. And sometimes it's not, hey, I love you, you're the great. No, 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 no. It's, hey, come hang out. Hey, go eat lunch. Hey, let's go hunt. Hey, let's go play golf. Hey, you know, how's things going with your kids? I'm going to tell you something. You want to know the way to my heart? Ask me about my kids. Y'all right, parents? Am I right? You care. And it's because of the care Jesus has given you. That's what's going to happen here Friday night. That's why Joey's going to be here with a sick child. He's going to be here at two today. And at four, this place is going to start filling up to capacity. That's why Friday night, there'll be a line of seven limousines and red carpet rolled out. That's why tens of thousands of dollars have been volunteered and worked for and given and pine straw put out and carpets cleaned and tents hung and everything else. Because Jesus cares for us all. Notice it's a call today. It said in verse 49, Jesus stood still and commanded him to call, be called. This is our spiritual needs. He's calling us today to an altar of repentance. Church, he's calling us to come lay our burdens down. He is calling us to the fact we can do nothing without him. You're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not rich enough. You can pile up the money, you can take the dirtiest job Friday night, but it will not match up to who he is. And without him, you can work and you can stack them works up. You can help with every night to shine. You can cook at every kind of cookout there is. And you can help every civic organization and everything else. And you can pile them up. But if you've never bent your knee, bowed your head, and opened your heart and confessed your sins, that without Jesus there is no hope, and say, Lord Jesus Christ, as this man did, he called out and he said, Master, Lord, help me. Like Peter did, sinking in the water. Like the Philippian jailer, when he said, what, what must I do? And like every other born-again believer, they had to cry out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. It's a call today. Jesus is standing here calling you. Not me, but through his word, he's calling us to an altar of repentance. But notice the command of the master. Now, this one gets tough. But I want you to hear what he tells us. When he stood still, Jesus stood still in verse 49. He commanded him to be called. It didn't say he called him from his own mouth. It says he commanded him to be called. First of all, we see he calls for the seeker. He calls for the seeker. And they called the blind man. Jesus is calling. There's an old, I love that old invitation song. Jesus is calling today. Jesus is calling Claxton. Jesus is calling Evans County. Jesus is calling in Georgia. Why do you think 
Why do you think New York and Virginia are coming out so brash? Why do you think there's war going on on every corner in the home and in the school and in politics? Because Jesus is calling loud and clear and they're trying to shut him up. He's calling for the seeker. He wasn't too busy. Jesus, are you too busy? Remember when he told us the story of the man who had a child that was getting married and he set forth a banquet. He said, go invite this one, this one, and this one. He went to one and said, I can't come. I just bought a bunch of new cows, a bunch of oxen, and I got to go out and prove them. I got to hook them up, try and see how they are. He said, another man, he said, well, I bought some land. I need to go look at it. I love the other man's answer. He said, well, I just, I just got married. I'm not coming. He, didn't give it. he just said, I'm not coming. Now, why? I don't know. You can imagine. But he said, I just got married. I'm not coming. And the master told his servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Are you too busy looking at a plot of land? And I'm talking about figuratively. Are you too busy? Oh, my kids are too small. My we hadn't been married that long. We hadn't been doing this, and it's been this, and it's been... Are you too busy to hear the call of Jesus on your life? Some of you are being called to lead in this new special needs ministry, to help come alongside Kelly. This morning, I had no less than three people say, we really need to start a new Sunday school unit. We need to start this. There's a great opportunity. We just need people to come in and help us. Well, you know where they're sitting? Right there. Their names are on these rolls. God's not going to just send us just random flight parachute in. Hey, you prayed for it. Here I am. You know, let me get unbuckled. But God will send them. People begin to visit. People who are already members. You say, well, I've never done that before. I'd never preached in Claxton until the first time. Seven years and two months later, I preached here a lot. Some of you who are now leading classes never taught, never led classes, but you were willing to serve, and so God has made you a servant leader. We need to realize we must never be too busy to hear his call on our life. You see, he wasn't too busy. He stood still. And, and here's what's really cool. He heard him over the crowd. All the crowd, I mean, there was hundreds, if not thousands of people around him. You ever been in a crowd, you can't hear anything? I can't stand it. I told y'all, you know, the older I get, you know, I just, I love roller coasters, but I don't want to stand in line two hours with a bunch of other people and it's 98 degrees and everybody's sweating and it's hot and it's miserable and the kids are yelling and screaming bloody murder. And it's just, you know, at some point, the fun of 37 seconds is outweighed by two hours of sheer unadulterated purgatory. I'm like, uh, no. Now, I, the older I get, the more I understand why I said, Daddy, let's go to a race. Let's go to a live race. I can watch it on TV a lot better. You know what? 54 years old, he was right. It's just loud. We're loud. Maybe some things need to be loud. But there's a point. We, it's so loud, we can't hear Jesus speak. 
But here's what's wonderful. It can be so loud in your life, but Jesus still hears you. Jesus hears you over the noise. Jesus hears you over the noise of the world and the turmoil and the strife and all the yelling and screaming. We need our way. We need to do it this way. Oh, we need to be all this and all that. And we need to be for this group. We need to exit that group. We need to lift this group and shove this group down. Jesus hears through all of that. And he heard blind Bartimaeus over the whole crowd. But notice what happens. This one, it gets real personal. We, you say, I'm not blind, I'm saved. You know, I'm not begging, God's blessed me. I'm not rich, but God's blessed us. You know what? He said that when he stood still, he commanded him to be called. And who called him? They. Who was they? Those disciples around him. We are commanded to call others. And it's a personal call. We don't just put it on our website. We don't just do a one-minute radio ad. We don't just put it on our bumper stickers and fly a flag. We do it personally, one-on-one. We tell people, hey, Jesus loves you. And I'm not talking about just a personal invitation to Eastside, even though I think this is where the fish are biting Amen? If we can't support and promote where we go, we got to wonder, what's the deal? And I know everybody doesn't belong at Eastside. I just believe everybody that knows everybody ought to come. You'll get that later. But it's got to be personal. You know lost people. You know unchurched people, people I don't know. Young people, your realm of influence is bigger than mine. You've got a thousand Instagram followers. You've got 400 people on Snapchat. You've got I don't know how many on Twitter. And y'all don't do Facebook anymore. You got a thing, but that's for old people. Um, but with little things, living, living what you say. On those platforms and encouraging others, you can change lives because it becomes uh, uh, not only personal but purposeful. You say, I'm going to use social media for my, my calling and for the cause of Christ. I'm going to use my platform in sports. I'm going to use my platform in politics. I'm going to use my platform in just being a mama or a daddy. And when my kids bring other kids home, somehow, some way, they're going to see Jesus in this home. And not just written on the wall. Be purposeful. Hey, you know what? Have a Matthew party. You know what a Matthew party is? Same thing as the Zacchaeus party. The difference is Matthew knew Jesus. He had called, Jesus had called him, Levi called him, and he said, I'm going to come to your house. And Matthew put on a big spread and invited everybody around to come meet Jesus. It's a Matthew party. Have a, have a, a supper party. Have a, a cookout at your house and invite your friends and their their spouses, their kids to come have everything laid out. Some of you work together. Have a party away from the church. Have it some, don't have it at the church because a lot of them won't come. Have a Matthew party. Where did Jesus go to Zacchaeus after he came out of the tree? 
his house. He went to Matthew's house. He went to Peter's mother-in-law's house. Where did the four guys lower their friend down where Jesus was? At someone's house. Jesus goes to the house. And we need to have these parties where we invite people over. And listen, just being around Christians, doing things that are fun, you can play games and things like that, and you set the stage. You tear down a wall, and they meet other people in your Sunday school class. They meet other, we went to a Sunday school class thing Friday night. And it was wonderful. I had a great, great time. Wonderful food, great fellowship, just sitting around the table, just talking on a Friday night. Tear down walls. Be purposeful. And it ought to be passionate. Do we care about people with special needs? We've got to display that, not just say that. Because as we've said before, it's great what's going to happen here Friday night, but what about next Sunday? And What about vacation Bible school? What about when they make noise that kind of startles us? What about when they make a mess? What about when they seem to disrupt other things? Is it about us or is it about the Lord? You see, the Lord uses you and me to issue the call. He's called us all to share the gospel, whether it's going to Guatemala, whether it's sharing anywhere. You are called to be an example of Christ. Y'all with me? Well, then I want you to see what a blind man can see. What can a blind man see? Tells us once again, the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. Blind Bartimaeus saw that. He called out, first of all, he said in verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he cried out and said, Jesus, thou Son of David. Through this, uh, through this area in Scripture, through this gospel, it's used nine times. There's one place it's used by a woman and Jesus does not respond back to her. She was a Syrophoenician. She was not a Jew. So it did not apply to her. The same way it applied to a blind Jew named Bartimaeus. Because it literally means that you're saying you are the real Messiah of Israel. You have come to be the real Messiah of Israel. But then it gets really cool. It gets down personal. He said in verse 51, And Jesus answered and said, What would you have me do for you? He said, Lord, Rabboni, Master, that I might receive my sight. This is a personal faith, church. It's where you're stopped depending on mom and daddy. It's stopped, well, I've always been a member there and I got baptized back then. This is where the rubber meets the road. Where you say, you are not just one who will keep me out of hell. But you're one that I love, that I serve, that I pray to and I follow in everything. Wherever you lead, I follow. What you say, I do. I read your word. I tell others about you because I love you. You are my Lord and my Savior. You see, this personal faith didn't, didn't allow anyone to hold him back. In the first part of verse 48, it said, Many scolded him or charged him that he would hold his peace. 
But you know what that did? That just fired him up. And he cried even more. Don't let anybody intimidate you from doing what God wants you to do. I'm worried if I go to the altar, people's going to I'm going to go and tell you something. Everybody in this room deserves hell. We're going to remove the lies that Satan's going to tell you when, the, when I say, if the instruments, if the people with the instruments will come, musicians will come, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. This is what you start hearing, because I've heard it. Don't go. People will think that you're living in sin. I got news for you. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Don't let the lies of Satan stop you from the victory in Christ. Right? Oh, but, you know, if you get up and go, somebody else, I'm going to tell you, if you get up and go, somebody probably will go. Somebody may be held back for whatever reason, but if they see others step out, I've never, it never fails to amaze me. Somebody step out, someone else follows. And it gives them courage to step This man said, I will not let anything hold me back. I am going to cry out. He couldn't see him, but he'd heard of him, and he believed in him. Nothing kept him away. Up, man. What is it that's got you bound up? It said he cast away his garment, got up, and came to Jesus. All he had was his garments on him. And listen, he didn't go naked, but he had like this cloak that came over. He was a blind beggar. This was what kept him warm at night. This is the one thing he owned. He didn't own a house. He didn't have a bunch of sheep. And he was a beggar. What he had was what he had on. But he laid it all aside. Because listen, he thought, I am not going to let this trip be up. It hangs down. It's alone. And listen, I've got to get to him as quick as I can. I can reach out and touch, but if it trips me... He might get away. What is it that's tripping you up today? Is it thinking, well, this is all I've got, and if I give this, then I, can, I won't have anything. Is God who he says he is or not? Do we really believe that he answers our prayers? Do we really believe that he is and that he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him? He said, I'm not going to let anybody or anything keep me back. A lot of you know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. We love to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. And it's great. It's God's word. Some may even have that as your life first. But how many of us knows what verse 13 says? Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. I believe I can honestly stand here and tell you blind Bartimaeus sought out Jesus with all of his heart. And you know what happened? He found him. He found him. He found Jesus. Today, listen, are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we following where God wants us to go? Are we we where God would have us serve him? that he may be pleased in everything in our life. Isaiah 55, verse 6 says it this way. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Because look, Jesus would never pass through Jericho again. 
His heart, his eyes, his will was fixed on going to Calvary. He would never return this way again. And Jesus said unto him, what would you have me do? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said, go your way. Your faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. If God has blessed you, why not follow him? Why not come back and you say, well, I did for a while, but I stopped. You know, Jesus had 12 apostles. One never even made it through the crucifixion area. Took his own life. Only three ventured into the Garden of Gethsemane with him. And only one stayed at Calvary. Now, in the end, Thomas said, I I won't believe until, well, Jesus is real. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Today, as they come to the instruments, Jesus was headed to Calvary. He wouldn't return. There, There are no guaranteed second chances. Trust him now. Trust him now. Before it is too late. And it'll be worth it. We still call, we shouldn't call him blind Bartimaeus anymore. We should know, we should call him the Bartimaeus, the man formerly known as the beggar, blind Bartimaeus. For when he met Jesus, he was not the same again. If you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why don't you let him change your life today? Personal needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, whatever it may be. Come lay it at Calvary. You're saved, born born again, baptized, serving in the church, but you're not where God wants you to be. You're not calling others to him. You're praying about this week, whatever it may be. But more than anything, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, why not cry out to Him today? Whatever you need to do, I'll pray with you. But you come. Come to Jesus. Don't let anything like that garment of the flesh hold you back. Lay it aside and come to Jesus. Stand and come. Call out to Him. He'll hear you. Right now. Don't talk about it. Tell him.